G'day detailers, Daily. Before we kick off today's episode, I'd like to make welcome Autofiber Australia, our new sponsor. So as we all know, one thing uh, when it comes to professional detailing, it's really important to use the right microfiber for the job, especially when it comes to ceramic coatings, glass cleaning, and etc. So the guys at Autofiber Australia are offering an exclusive deal to all our uh, detailing down under podcast listeners. So they're giving us 15% off on our first order. Um, so head on over to autofiber.com.au and use the code 15DDUP. Also, if you are a business owner, uh, you can also email Autofiber Australia. So that's sales at autofiber.com.au and that'll get you 10% off and you set up your trade account for that. So um, seriously amazing, good stuff really. I've been using their um, applicators and scrub ninjas for a while now, even before this pod. So um, yeah, I really like the the brand and what they offer. So, and um, I wouldn't support it if I didn't like it. So, head on over and uh, see for yourself how good they really are and their products. So, um, so thanks again, Auto Fiber Australia, for coming on board, and uh, hope you enjoy today's episode. Thanks. Welcome to the Detailing Down Under podcast, the place for everything auto detailing in Australia. Right now, here's your host. Dale Guthrie. G'day and welcome to the Detailing Down Under podcast. I'm your host, Dale Guthrie. We're back into it. Another week, another pod. And um, this one's a different one. So we're um, mixing it up a little bit. And the last few have been going really well. I try not to look at the numbers. Um, everyone tells me not to look at numbers, but it's a good way to gauge how the pod's going out there. So um, it's trending pretty well, and it's obviously thanks to all our listeners and everyone sharing it and talking about it. So it's going well, and um, that's what it's all about. So um, as I said, bit different one today. So we, we're diving into the marine um, detailing side of things for something different. Um, I've had Nathan from... Coastal Care Marine Detailing in Cairns. He um, reached out and said he'd um, be interested to have a chat. And I said, yep, 100%, just a matter of when. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty booked up at the moment, which is good. So um, should see me out through the rest of the year, which is even better. So um, welcome, Nathan. How you going? Thanks, mate. I'm going good, Dale. Good to be yeah. on here. Nah, thanks for taking the time and um, reaching out to us. It's It's good. Yeah, yeah, I thought something something different for your podcast could be could be a good addition to it. Yeah, no, it's um, I don't know much about the marine side of it. Um, probably, obviously, where I am, there's some boats, but yeah, obviously, where you live now, there's there's hundreds of them, and um, I think it's a different world, and not everyone would know about it. So it'd be it's good to get the your side of it and how how it all works, and yeah, it's definitely different. I'd, I assume. Yeah, for sure, it's definitely a different ball game. <laughs> so um. So where did you start and how? what got you into probably detailing or boats and cars? I think you do a little bit of cars before as well. So how'd that start? Yeah, I've, I've done a little bit of all sorts of things. So I started off uh, in Melbourne. I well, I grew up in northern northern New South Wales, but then I moved to Melbourne when I was younger and lived there for uh, about 14 years and did a, did a wide range of work down there. And then I actually ended up getting a job as a fiberglasser. Well, I actually bought my first boat because I, I love my fishing. Bought an old boat. It was pretty ordinary. 
and then got it home and realized how much work needed to be done on it. So I ended up actually meeting a guy that runs a fiberglass shop and I was buying a lot of products for him. And then he seen that I actually got into it and he offered me a job. So wow. I quit my job that I was doing and took it on. And it's it's bloody difficult, itchy work. <laughs> I was going to say that, was, yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's such a good good skill to have, actually. It's really good work with composites. And from there, I just got into it, learned everything I could, really enjoyed it, but hated it at the same time just because you're just constantly itchy. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was all kind of part of it. And then, yeah, from there, just oh, you kind of your final product when you when you do making five glass parts, you you kind of buffing them and polishing them up to to kind of present them and and finish them off. So, I kind of learned how to use a rotary, and just learned kind of general products of what you use and how fiberglass and gel coat works. So I was spraying a lot of gel coat, and then that taught me. Just taught me the ins and the outs of how gel coat works and what to do with it and how it reacts to certain things and all that. So it gave me a good understanding of of the marine side of things and I'm sure you're aware it's a lot different to paint. Hmm. So yeah, it was just that's kind of how I first got my kind of first step into the marine side of things. And my whole family's kind of into boating. My my old man's a pro fisherman. My my twin brother actually lives over in Spain driving super yachts. Oh, wow. so, yeah, he, he got the good job and I'm stuck <laughs> out in the sun buffing. <laughs> but I do love it. It is good. And yeah, yeah from there I just I, um, I, I just I did five glass for quite a while. Got a bit over just being itchy and then when all the COVID sort of stuff hit, I ended up just leaving that job. And I thought, what did I want to do? So I kind of was a bit overworking for other people and didn't really feel too appreciated with jobs and my hard work. So I sat back and thought about things. And the one thing I did love from fiberglassing was the detailing, the buffing and polishing. So, And I'd learned how to use a rotary, which is a bit of a skill in itself. And then I, over COVID, I kind of had a bit of time to sit back and study because I hadn't really done detailing so I knew how to work with gel coat how to use a rotary and all of that sort of stuff but then I kind of did a bit of research and detailing I was just like holy shit I actually have no idea <laughs> at least you're honest it's good yeah <laughs> but I had had I knew how to do all the all the gel coat side of things so I just didn't know the actual detailing side of things so I already had knew the fundamentals and from there I, I could just do my study and learn as much as I can and picked up the rest and that all kind of followed on pretty well because I already had the understanding of the code. Yeah. And from there with the lockdowns and stuff in Melbourne, I just took my time. It actually gave me a bit of time to sit back, figure out how to start a business and what sort of things I needed and how to go about it, which was in my benefit, really, it just gave me that little bit of time to set myself up. And from there, I just dove in and went full-time, opened my business and just went hard at it. And that was kind of my, my introduction into into detailing. 
Yeah, no, that's that's awesome. How did, um, with the fiberglass side, what did you mainly work on boats back then, or was there all sorts of stuff coming through the door? Uh, it was generally all boats. It was it was mainly just boat repairs. Yep. So people were just bringing in boats with. We're doing everything from kind of repairing small chips in the gel coat to full rebuilds and transom replacements and all that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, right. yeah, it was little bits of everything, but we also did do some car panels for guys with race cars and just all sorts of stuff, really. But generally, it was all boats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, with uh, did you start with boats or you started with cars when you went out on your own first? Uh, well, I mainly just aimed at the boat side of things, but I was kind of open to everything. So. I didn't really close my doors off to anything in particular, especially starting out. You kind of need to need to build yourself up from somewhere. So yep. I didn't really want to close off parts of the market till I was established and figured out exactly what direction I wanted to go in. And then once I kind of did that, I kind of narrowed it down and kind of found what what I wanted to focus at and what I was good at, and then just aimed at that for the market. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Was there much um, product differences with the gel coat to cars? Did you have to study a fair bit with the different sides of, like, maybe polishing side of it and doing a car to, to yeah, a boat? Yeah, working as a fiberglass, so I, I kind of had my head around a lot of the products that you do use for gel coat. So with the, with the sort of polishes and stuff that you'll use on a boat, if you try and use that on a car, you're going to end up with no paint left on your car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's it's very harsh. And gel coats are so much harder. And like when you're spraying paint for a car, it's, you can't, it's, it's in microns thick. Mm. Where with gel coat, you spray it in millimeters thick and it has to be a certain thickness. Like you need it at least kind of three to five mils thick just for it to be thick enough for the catalyst to create enough heat in it for it to cure. Yep. So that's actually like it's quite thick and it's it's really robust and hard, and like the hardness of gel coat compared to paint is just it's completely different. It's so much harder. So yeah, there is there is a massive difference. And then when I looked at doing cars and stuff, yeah, that was a big learning curve for me because I'd never really touched them, and so it was completely different products, different different techniques, and all of that stuff. Yep. Were you using a rotary on a car as well? Did you work that out or did you just go and get a DA or something like that? Yeah, I, I started off with a rotary and just had a, had a go at like with my own cars. And kind of first time I did it, I kind of did, did a cut and a polish on my car, stood back, thought it looked pretty good. Went back into the shed at night time and I had a torch in my hand and went more fast to the car and there was bloody holograms sticking out everywhere. <laughs> And I was just like, holy hell, what the hell happened here? Yeah. And then went and bought myself a DA and went over it and corrected all that. Yeah, so that was kind of – it's glad that I had a couple of cars at home that I could practice on because it would, uh, I wouldn't know what to do if I actually did that in a client's car. Yeah. Yeah. Is there much – can you get many swirls like that in, in gel coat compared to a car or is it because it's so hard Look, you just won't happen? Uh, look, you do get you do get swells, and especially with the like the heavy cut compounds that you use, you will get swells. But you can you pull them out with with your polishes, like so. Generally, 
generally I'll do most boats you only need a two step. So the heavy cut will leave swells all over it. But once you go over it with a the polish, then generally using the right technique, it'll be swell free. Yep. You can and, refi- yeah, not, refi- run him out. Yeah, yep. Yeah, not too often. Sometimes you might need to do a third pass and just with a with a softer pad again and then that will kind of remove any swells that are left over. But yeah, it comes just down to technique. Once you get your technique, generally using a wall pad with a rotary, I can generally get the swell free. Yeah, nice. Was there um how long were you in Melbourne before you, you pulled the pin and went to Cairns and what was what was the reason behind that? Uh well the one of the biggest reasons is I just love my fishing and the fishing yeah. up here is amazing. And I just got I just hated the cold. Yeah. <laughs> I was just always cold and I just it just got to me too much. Even even just trying to wash the boats, I was taking a kettle with me and filling up my bucket with hot water so my hands weren't freezing off. And yeah, it just it just kind of wore me down. And also just all the lockdown sort of stuff that happened that was extremely hard with the government closing my business down every five minutes and telling me I couldn't work even though I didn't even have to see my customer. Like I could go and mm. detail their boat in, in their front yard or whatever, not even talk to them and then just email them the, the invoice at the end. And that, that wasn't really good enough for the government. So it kind of made it really difficult to try and, especially starting up my business down there. Like I was trying to get it up and running and you kind of need to, keep it consistent so you can actually build yourself up yeah. and it just made things too difficult so when i got my chance i ran for it <laughs> uh, i would too kansas beautiful beautiful spot oh it's amazing wake up every day i just look out the window and it's just another day in paradise <laughs> yeah now yeah. if if um covid didn't happen do you reckon you wouldn't would have started your business or you still would have been fiberglassing you reckon uh, no, I do think I would have would have went into detailing. I was I was kind of looking at different things to do, and I wanted to be my own boss. And of even as a young kid, like anything I done, I just always wanted to make it aesthetically pleasing. Mm. Whether it was like just making a garden at home, make it perfect. So it's kind of I've always been that sort of way, and I've had a good attention to detail and a good eye for it. So. And then just working as a fiberglasser, I loved it, but I really loved the buffing side of things and just polishing up the parts at the end. Yep. So that was always kind of in the back of my mind. And we did do a few details at the workshop, but to me, these days, working as a professional, I wouldn't really call it a detail, but it was <laughs> just kind of just cleaning up the boats, making them look a bit better. Yep. So I did that, and then I just also thought, once I did that a few times at work, thought, oh, geez, this could be a good thing just to do on the side on the weekends to make a bit of extra money. So that was always kind of in the back of my head. And then with the COVID stuff, it just gave me that opportunity to take the full leap into it. Yep. Would there Was there many guys in Melbourne doing boats at the time? Do you remember? Uh, there's a couple. There's there's a few around the place, but not not a whole heap compared to the car detailing type of things in Melbourne. Like there's a lot of car detailers. Yep. Every second person's a car detailer in Melbourne. <laughs> but yeah, the boat boats are a bit more of a niche side of side of things. Mm. And you always and pretty much are mobile. 
that right? Yeah, yeah. I've been mobile from the start. So from the start, I got myself a van and I just kind of weighed up the cost at the start, like especially when you're first starting out and you don't have constant workflow and stuff. It's like getting getting the factory to work out of, you've got you've got constant rent to pay, you've got all your, your water, electricity. Being mobile, I've got my reg fuel and my insurances. Yep. So that's pretty good. And then you're using, you're using your customer's water, your customer's power. That just keeps the cost down. And then if I wasn't getting work, it, it wasn't costing me. So I wasn't kind of going backwards. So yeah. it's just kind of a no-brainer to go into the mobile side of things. And also, like a lot of my customers, they all, or generally all of my customers generally run their own businesses. So they're generally pretty busy themselves and they're off kind of doing their own thing. So they don't have the time to drag their boat around, drop it off to me. So it's just a lot more convenient for them. And it just so it worked both sides. It was made it easy for them, made it easy for me. And yeah, so it's just that's just the way I went. Yep. Which is good. A lot of your is a lot of your work in um, sort of backyards or is it in the marina area as well? Like when you are they in the water, some of them that you have to work on them? Uh some of them in Melbourne, it was generally more at people's houses. And then since I've come up to Cairns, I've, I get a lot of work at the marinas. Yep. And then so I'm working on the water, which brings a whole lot of challenges within itself. And but can also be a good thing because there's like a hundred other boats around you with people that walking past you, seeing your work, mm. and it kind of gives you a lot more exposure. So it's good, but it can be. It can be very hard as well trying to do a boat on the water and then you just a lot of times you can only do one side and you've got to turn it around and do the other side and things like that and then you're dropping things in the water i bloody lost the phone in the water a couple of sets of headphones <laughs> like and then yeah you do that a couple of times and you cost your kind of your, your paycheck yeah <laughs> Yeah. I was going to say that, like when working on water, like if you're dropping tools or pads or polish in the water, and obviously phones, yeah, that that'd suck. Yeah, yeah, and headphones. I've learned usually I do like to listen to podcasts and stuff while I'm working, but when they're on the water, it's just me and me and my tools. There's no headphones anymore because <laughs> I got sick of replacing them. <laughs> wow, didn't think of that. Yeah, but, yeah, and and just even kind of keep an eye on like your power leads and stuff. You don't want to be dropping them in the water. Mm. Like fuses are there for a reason. They will save your life, <laughs> but <laughs> it's not a good thing. <laughs> is there is access easy for marinas these days? Um, yeah, I found some of the marinas down in Melbourne where they kind of were a bit harder to deal with. They wanted you to do kind of OHS things and before you even step foot on the marina. But Queensland, it's a bit more relaxed on the side of things. So yeah, they're they're pretty crazy. And I found down in down in Melbourne, there's a lot of places they they wouldn't let you start till say nine o'clock in the in the morning, and then they want you to finish by three o'clock. And it kind of makes it hard when you when you're trying to do your job. Where hmm. up here, I like, I kind of have a key for a few of the marinas, and then I can just. Go in there. I sometimes I'll start at five thirty in the morning, and then I'll leave at seven thirty at night. So it's it's pretty good. Yep. Yep. And yeah. um, it, it does does make it harder trying to like you've got to carry all your tools down to the boats and carry them back and still move them all. So that that does take more time and stuff. 
He's a bit more consuming. But a lot of times, the marinas are all pretty pretty well good with security and cameras, so I can leave a lot of stuff on the boats while I'm doing them as well. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, all right. How do you go? Um, so your services now, is it just the, the polishing and do you do any coatings on the boats or any protection? How, what's that, how, how's that look? Uh, well, at the moment, I just I kind of I focus on premium detailing. So I, I want to do, like, I am for kind of high-end work, which is a lot involved and it's kind of gone to the full extent of getting everything as pretty much as perfect as you can get it. So that can involve like wet sanding uh, before you start all your polishing and stuff. And wet sanding for boats is it's a lot more aggressive than what you do on cars. So if I'm wet sanding a boat for detail, I find a lot of times if the gel coat's pretty rough, I generally start at an 800 grit and then move up to a 1200 grit and a 1500 grit and then a cut and a polish. So yeah, for wet sanding services, um, a lot of stainless and aluminium polishing, uh, polishing clears, which they can be a nightmare. They're so sensitive and you just look at them the wrong way and they park. <laughs> so yeah, they can be quite difficult. And just cleaning up uh, a lot of the vinyl and stuff and boats as well. That's a big thing, especially up here. There's, the humidity and stuff causes a lot of mold. And yeah, so they kind of generally want all that sort of stuff cleaned up. So, yeah, I've, I was doing some gel coat repairs, and especially when I first started out, I was doing, also doing fiberglass repairs and gel coat repairs, but especially up here, it's so bloody hot, and working with gel coat, it all kind of reacts to heat a lot, so it makes it really difficult. And I'm doing a lot of boats on the water, so I've kind of mm. steered away from that. I will do small gel coat repairs, but I tend, these days I tend to not do it. I've got enough work. I don't really need to do that sort of stuff anymore. Yep. But aiming at kind of high-end like detailing, you, you want to get the boat as good as you can. So if there's little small chips and stuff, I am, I'm generally pretty happy to fix them up for them as well. Yep. No, nice. Yeah. Is it is there yeah. many other detailers like marine details up there? There'd be probably a few, wouldn't there? Uh, there is a few. There's, I'm sure I haven't seen them all yet, but I've kind of had a look on like across Facebook and all that sort of stuff to try and find a few. And I've seen a few down at the marinas, but I've kind of said hi. I haven't really had a good chat with them, and I've just kind of stood back and had a look at their work from afar, so just to kind of gauge where I'm at compared to the rest of the guys that are up here and that sort of thing. But I can't really say that I've kind of connected and with a lot of them yet. So, But I'm always open to talk to anyone. And yeah. as, as a kind of community, we need to kind of all work together. And as they say, a rising tide floats all boats. So we can all <laughs> help each other out. It's, it's better off. <laughs> yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, what are the? Oh, we probably talked about a bit. What's your daily challenges up there these days? Obviously, the heat, humidity. Humidity is pretty big up that way. Um, yeah, yeah, humidity. Uh, my biggest problem is uh, it just definitely be the heat. I'm trying to work with products out in the sun because generally you're out in the sun. Some boats I do get undercover, but. 
when you're trying to polish boats out in like 35 degree heat, <laughs> it can be a nightmare. It can be really hard. And, but it really teaches you to problem solve and figure out your products. And the best thing is just learn your products inside out, learn how to use them, where you, where you can use them, where you can't. And yeah, those sort of things. And also when the sun's straight above you, it's, it's shines straight down and you kind of need a reflection to see where you're at so you can see where you've cut and where you haven't. So in the middle of the day, it can be quite difficult when the sun's just kind of banging straight down on top of you. Yeah. It's, you just pretty much can't see what you're doing. And that these days I've kind of done it for long enough now. I've got a pretty good idea where I'm at. So I can kind of do it, but when it's really bad, I kind of prefer to start real early in the morning getting at six o'clock, kind of smash me out till say 11.30, go home for a few hours and come back at say 3.30 and finish up kind of 6.30 or 7. And then I've kind of got the sun on a bit of an angle, so it's not so hot and just makes working life a bit easier. It gives me a bit of time in the middle of the day to go sort out kind of accounting products, orders, all that sort of thing as well. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Breaks up your day. Yeah, definitely. Good. It can make it a long day, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I can imagine. What products? Um, is there many marine sort of products available in Australia? Is there any local ones made? Because I don't really um, know much about that. No, nah, well, when I first, like in the fiberglass industry, uh, when I first started, it was all mainly for Eclat. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, the Freckler range, and that's the profile. Generally, a lot of them just use the profile 300, which is it's kind of... It's cost-effective and does a does a pretty decent job, but that's more so like aimed at kind of manufacturing industrial side of things, and it's it, yeah it does work good for pulling your fifteen hundred grit scratch marks out when you're kind of finished kind of making products. But since I've kind of got more over into the detailing side of things, I found you'll like using the, prof, the profile range. It is good, but it's petroleum based and I've found I can kind of cut down the whole side of the boat, come back the next morning to start the polish and all this oxidization comes back through. Mm. So that was just kind of putting me back and creating more time to do the job and all that sort of thing. So I've always been open just to try any product and learn as much as I can about everything. And I've found the, uh, the Stark Care range is exceptional. Sorry, which is uh, what was that one? My favorite polish out of that would be the level. The uh, Stark Yacht Care. Oh, Stark, yep. So, yeah, Stark make, make a, yeah, they make quite a wide range of boat products. And they, I pretty much use their whole range. It's, it's all really good. It's all designed for what I do. And it's just high quality. So, their level R heavy cut is, is amazing. It doesn't really gum up. It works really good. It's got a good cut. And, it's, it's water-based, and when you do your cut, what it is is what it is. It will come up good, and it will stay that way. So, yeah, I've once I've kind of moved over to the Stark range, I've 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 tried a few others. I've got um, what is it, Buff and Shine, and a few other products that I've tried on my own boats. But I just go back to Stark. It's it works. It works really well, and it produces really good results. Yeah. So yeah, I just kind of focus on that. Have they yeah. got any sort of protections in the like the final polish? Have they got any? Um, sort of... n- no, I, I use the Stark Hyperhold as my wax, wax and sealant. Yep. And I found I've tried a lot of different kind of wax and sealants, but 
as you know, salt water is just so aggressive. And I think even a lot of the car products out in the market, like the waxes and sealants, they will actually use salt water as a kind of aggressive accelerated test on their products because it's just so harsh. So if they can put it into salt water and it lasts a month, then they can say it's going to last six months on a, on a car, you know? Yep. So it's just super aggressive, all the salt water. So I've tried a lot of different things. And then Stark Hyperhole is just, it's super slick, gives really good coating, lasts a long time. And yeah, once I started using that, I've kind of haven't really used any other sealants because it's just, it works for me. Yep. Yeah, it's really good. And I've looked at ceramic coatings, but it's, there's, there is a few different ceramic coatings on the markets aimed at marine side, but I haven't been 100% convinced. And since I've started using the Stark range, I've, Build pretty good relationship with the guys at Stark Yacht Care Australia. They're extremely helpful, extremely knowledgeable. And they offer systematic yep. and uh, ceramic coatings. And I'm looking, I've, I was going to try and get in at the end of this year to do some training with those guys, but I think it will be kind of early in the year next year. So I'm going to yep. go down to try and get certified with them. And then I can actually start offering the ceramic coatings. But it wasn't until I kind of found them that I was felt comfortable to actually offer that as a service. So once I get certified with them, yeah, I will add that to my to my list. Yeah. No, there is yeah. a few um, companies doing marine lines, but, yeah, wouldn't really know how, how the durability of them would be and stuff. So it's interesting. At least you, you found one and something you're probably going to chase down. So it's good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm actually really looking forward to getting certified with that and then being able to offer that as a product in my range. Hmm. It's it's also difficult because a lot of people that own boats, they they do maintain them to some extent, but it's not like someone that's into their cars and going to pay for details around their boat on car. They're generally going to wash it every week and maintain it. Where boat guys, it's more of just a hobby for them. So then they're not generally interested in the maintenance side of things. So I don't really want to offer a coating that's going to last for X amount of years or whatever if they're not going to maintain it properly and then they're going to come back in 12 months and be like, oh, my coating's gone to shit and I don't think your product's any good. When yep. In fact, it is good, but it's just their maintenance side of things hasn't been up to scratch. 100%. Same as looking yeah. after a car. So Yeah. Yeah, if yeah. they don't look after it, maintain it. That's yeah, they just say your product's rubbish, but they do need some sort of maintenance. Yeah. What sort of um, what sort of this? What's the size of these boats these days that you are working on? Are they massive ones or just sort of well medium ones? Some some of the boats I'm working on are quite large. I've, I was, I started off kind of aiming at smaller boats around the kind of anything from sixteen foot up to maybe thirty foot. But these days, um, I'm up doing boats up to 50 foot uh, and kind of around that size. A lot of up here, especially in the marinas, there's a lot of kind of uh, super yacht range. Mm-hmm. And they kind of range from kind of 45 to 50 foot range, a lot of them. And getting into them, that's a whole nother ball game again. It's, <laughs> it's a bloody big job. And because you're doing them, generally, they're a lot on the water. So... If they're on the water, I only really offer gunnel up services unless they want to slip them and then I can do the sides. 
So I don't know if you know what the gunnel is, but it's kind of the uh, rubber strip around the edge of the boat. Yeah, I was going to say it probably somewhere around the side, certain, certain height. Yep. Yeah, yeah. so it's just that, that rubber kind of bumper strip around the boat. So I can do gunnel up on the water. And if they want to do the sides and stuff, I generally tell them they need to slip the boat. Because when I was in Melbourne, I did a couple of the boats on the water and I built myself a big fiberglass box, filled it up with a high-density foam and kind of glass that all up. And then I could put that on the water to actually do boats on the water. But when you use a, a big wall pad with a, with a rotor, it's quite powerful. <laughs> it's just... It push it, it'll pull you one way while you're pushing on it, and then the boat wants to move one way, you're pushing going backwards, and it's just it's too hard to get a consistent finish. And when you're trying to offer mm. premium services and then you do the boat and it's just all patchy down the sides, it it just wasn't kind of in my business model. So I pulled that back and just told them, look, if you're spending the money, just spend the extra money and slip the boat for a couple of days, I can do the sides. Yeah, that's so, re- that's retrieving it out of the water, putting it up on stands or something. Yeah, yeah, putting it up on stands, and then also with the big boats, I've like the smaller boats are pretty simple for me these days. But the bigger boats, I have to kind of think about my processes and think about the best way to do it. So I actually broke it down into three jobs. So I do the flybridge, like the top top deck, do all that, get the flybridge done wash it down, cut and polish, do all the stainless, everything, wash it down again, wax everything, and then move on to the next part. So I'd do like the flybridge, and then I'd move on to the bow, and then I'd move on to the back deck yep. and to kind of break it down into three jobs like that. Otherwise, it just – you try and do it all as one, and it just – it gets too much. You'd get lost. Yeah. Yeah, you get yeah. lost, and then you're just chasing your tail, and you're leaving kind of your polishes – where because it is quite dusty doing with the boats and working with the rotary and the heavy cuts, it does create a lot of dust and stuff. So if that's sitting around on your on your freshly cut surfaces, it can end up kind of marking it again, and then you have to go back over things, and you just end up doing things too many times. Yeah, yeah. How do you sort of with your pricing? I've heard with boats on another pod, it's per meter, or do you charge with per meter, or how how does that normally work? Yeah. I, I actually break it down uh, by the foot, so I charge foot, sorry, per yeah. foot by yeah, so by the foot per like and by per each process. So yep. kind of, I have a set price for my washers, and then a set price for polishing and all that stuff. And then with the stainless, I've I've kind of just learned how long it's going to take me to do certain things. So I've just set a price on what I know how long it's going to take. And that's kind of how I figured out my stainless. And that took a little while to, I probably did underprice myself for a while, but then you do it a few times and you're like, oh, hell, that took me heaps longer than what I've actually priced mm. for. So I've just kind of corrected that as I've learned. And yep. then with all, all your vinyl seats and stuff, I just break that down to a price per seat. And same with your clears and stuff on the boat. So I just break that down into window size and price it accordingly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Bryson's one thing you'll probably always just keep updating or keep a track on. So we always yeah, talk about also it. Another, another process I do is like a lot of the boats have stickers on them. So sticker I, with the stickers they put on the boat, say they make the boat and they put decals on them and they're kind of for that era. So then if the boat's 10 years old, 
it's a new era, new style, and it, it, they generally make the boats look old. Mm. So I find if you remove those stickers, it just puts a timeless look on the boat. So you can make an old boat look like a new boat. So I offer sticker removal, which is probably something car detailers don't really do. Yep. So that's another thing that I just, that was another thing that was hard to figure out because some stickers, if they're all cracked up and they can, you're just kind of removing tiny little bits at a time. Yep. Yeah, but if they're in half decent condition, you can, you can just heat them up with a heat gun and then slowly peel them off. And you just want to heat them up enough to let the glue to let go, but you heat them up too much and they're going to stretch and just break. So there's a bit of a technique, but it's also a good little add-on for to like offer the customer. Yep. Yeah. I know we. I've done badge removal, and I think that's quite popular as well with cars. They'll um, debadge a car and polish them up, and then um, either put new ones back on if they're old, or um, just remove them all together and leave them off. So, and then coat straight over it. So. Yeah, I don't really. I, I don't really put stickers or badges back on the boats. Just. It's quite with boats, they're never square. So that's one thing I learned with fiberglassing is when you when you glass and things and stuff, if it looks right, it's right. But if you try and measure it up and get it all kind of dead center perfect, you put it on it, it doesn't look right because the boats <laughs> are generally not square. Yeah. So I I don't generally put the stickers like I won't put stickers and stuff back on for people. I'll tell them to go to like a sign shop guy or yeah, yeah. sign shop or somewhere like that. And then they can do it. So it's just I don't want to put a put it on, and it looks a bit crooked. And then they just spend all this money on stickers, and it doesn't look right. Blame you for my, it. It's not yeah, it's not my thing. So I can remove them, no problem. Hmm. And but also removing stickers on boats, like gel coat will fade. So it will fade over time. So you remove a sticker that's been on there for ten years or so. You, there's a good chance you're going to have ghosting underneath. And then it's going to be a different color and it'll also protrude quite like slightly from the boat because all the gel coat will oxidize and it mm. will get thinner where under the stickers it won't. So then you end up with this kind of lump on the boat that looks different. So if generally I'll wet sand that back and I can correct it, but if they're not willing to pay for the wet sanding, then I just, it's all about communication. You're just going to make them aware of it. And that could happen. And sometimes you pull the stickers off and it's fine. There's no ghosting, but sometimes you pull it off and there is ghosting. So yeah. you just got to communicate with your customers and make sure they understand that as well. Hmm. No. What sort of, how do you sand? Like, what is it an electric sander or do you round up an air uh, sander, an air compressor? Or how does that work? I use electric sander and I do a lot by hand as well. A lot yep. of boats, there's just the surface areas of, there's, there's a lot of curves and a lot of areas where you just can't fit a, a sander onto. So I'll do it by hand. And just working as a fiberglass, I, I learned how to do all of that. Yep. It can be can be a scary thing to get into if you've never done it. And But you also, gel coat's a lot thicker than paint, so you've got a lot to work with. And a good little tip if you are wet sanding to know how far you've got Boats are treated pretty rough, but there's generally little chips on most boats. So you can go find a chip, look at that, and you've got a decent idea of how thick your gel coat actually is so you know what you're working with. Because unlike cars, you can't put a paint thickness gauge on it. You need, with a car, you, you need that metal to bounce back and be able to get your reading. Yeah, I was going to say that, and to gauge how thick that is, yeah. 
Yeah, so just go go find a ship on the boat and you'll have a general idea. Yeah, which is a good tip. Oh, cool. Is, there, is a lot of your work sort of a lot of polishing or is it mixed up with just maintenance washes, so to speak, like someone wants it cleaned up before they take it out for the next weekend uh, or something like that? With my business, I, I don't really aim at doing wash and waxes. I just find I, if you don't do a cut and a polish on a boat, they're generally all oxidised. Yep. People don't like, they're all oxidised. And if you just wash it and wax it, they think they're going to get this boat back and it's all shiny and looking awesome. Where you can put wax over a boat, but if it's oxidised, it's still going to look oxidised. So it's just, I've, I've done it a few times and then I just felt like the customers didn't really feel happy with the work even though I've just slowly slaved my ass off and done a lot of work on it. It just, it, I didn't see the value in it. So yep. for my business, I just aim at the detailing side of things with, with the cut and the polish and doing all that sort of stuff, wet sanding and yeah, doing the actual full detailing. And I just, I'm sure there's guys out there that just will do the wash and wax. So I just tell them, look, there's plenty of other guys out there Maybe speak to one of them. It's just, it's just not what I focus with, with my business. Yeah. No, that's good. You got to have yeah. your market and stick to what you want to do and what you what you know best. So, no, that that's a good way to do it. Yeah. Most people just want to do coatings and corrections and stuff like that. And yeah, I'm down nearly down that route too. Just don't want to do the maintenance stuff unless you got regulars and good customers that keep. Do they say if you um fully do a full job on a boat? Do they then come back and you maintenance that boat or they just you just stick to sometimes i i generally like to um teach my customers at the end of the detail about the maintenance and i'll generally sell them the stuff that they need to maintain their boat themselves so oh, yeah. a lot of the guys they they don't mind kind of doing the maintenance side themselves with their boats they like spending time on their boats and it's if you own a boat, it's generally because you you love boats and you love fishing or whatever. So it's kind of their pride and joy. So they're they're generally more happy than someone like say with a car that's just using it to get around. If you buy a boat, it's because you you love it and you're into it. Yep. And and they and boats are very very expensive, <laughs> so they're usually pretty happy to kind of put a bit of work in. And so I just sit down with them, run through all the maintenance, teach them that why water spots happen, all that sort of thing. And then they learn that, oh, I need to dry my boat after I wash it. And then just show them the difference between sheeting water and then once it's actually wax and coated, how it beads. And then you can show them once it's once it's not beading as, as it should, then you can just cover it with, a, with some wax and, and coat it again. So I, I do get some guys that, they're too busy and they're just like, oh, can you just come back and put some wax over my boat again a few months later? And, yeah, I will do that for them if, if they're a returning customer. And that's probably the only time I do do those wash and wax. But I like to just teach my clients the right way to do things and just let them kind of maintain it themselves and just sell them the products. Yep. So there's a fair amount of maintenance uh, marine products on the market for anyone? Um, yeah, there's, there's boat wash and um, kind of, I use 
how much I use the stock venom water spot remover. I think that's absolutely amazing. It's probably one of the best water spot removers I've ever found. And it's over for your car guys, you should try it out. Yep. And uh, it works really good. And yeah, it's just this mainly just to just keeping it washed. Like salt water will build up on things and if you can keep it washed, then that will maintain your waxes for a lot longer. And also just teaching them like certain products to use on their vinyl and stuff so you can they can keep that up to scratch and it won't won't go get damaged from the sun. Yeah. But yeah, there's there's more and more products coming out in the market these days. So yeah, I guess there's there's a few that back in the day there probably wasn't as much. But as it's kind of there's a lot of products coming out now and it's all pretty good. So yeah, yeah just once you can kind of teach the client the kind of fundamentals of it, they can kind of find their own things that they like to use. No, yeah. nice. Is there a um sort of a period of the, the the year that they take boats out of the water for maintenance? Do a lot of people do that or most of them just leave them in and stuff like that? So you're probably quite busy all year round? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty busy all year round, but up here we get trade winds that blow pretty hard kind of through the cooler months of the year. And then when the trade winds are blowing, it's, it's pretty difficult for a lot of people to even get out in their boat. So that's when they'll generally want to, get their boat detailed and get it all kind of maintained. Yep. And then once the good weather comes around, they just want to use their boat. So I've, like even now, I'm getting a few clients that are just, I ring them up and I'm like, hey, I'm ready to get to your boat next week. And they're like, oh, can we put it off for a few weeks? I'm, I'm out fishing. So mm. yeah, when the weather's good, they generally just want to use their boat. Yep. But there's always kind of people that still want to get their boat detailed. So it's yeah, it's pretty consistent to work up here. So no more cars? Finish with the cars? Yeah, uh, I will do cars for kind of friends and stuff. Um, like especially if I've, got, if I have a friend that buys a new car, I'll be like, look, it's a brand new car. You just invested all this money into it. You should probably get the paint corrected, and because they generally don't come from factories that good, especially when they yeah. come over in the boats and stuff, they get, get a lot of damage. Yeah. So, yeah, I I will do kind of newer cars for friends and stuff. But if I do get, sometimes I'll get a client with their, I'll, I'll do their boat and then I'll be like, hey, can you do my ute as well while you're here? And sometimes I will do that. But these days I've met a few car details and I will, I prefer just to kind of send them over to them. And if they get guys hitting, me up, hitting them up for boats, I'll send them my way as well. Yeah. So I just, yeah, it's a good trade. Stick what you're good at. Yeah. Hundred yeah. percent. So, uh, all right. Was there, um, we might hook into our um, six stage question because you don't have any. You, are you looking at getting any employees later on, or are you just happy with you being on your own? Uh, sometimes, especially with the bigger boats, I do. I I do have a couple of guys that I'll just put on for kind of a day here and a day there to help me. Because the big boats can be a handful doing by yourself, especially when you're trying to kind of do your waxes and coatings and stuff in the middle of the day. Mm. It's just hard work. So it's, and you kind of need to be efficient when you're doing those sort of stages. So I will put people on to help me with that, even when you're doing the kind of the wash downs of the boats at the start, like up here to where it's so hot, all the, the products will dry onto the boat 
pretty quickly. So you need to be pretty quick. And when you're doing kind of the top areas, you want someone just hosing off the lower areas where to, where the soak and stuff's running off onto. So I do occasionally put people on, but being mobile, I find it difficult to train people. Like you're out on site, you don't really if you've got like your clients and stuff are there watching it. And if you're trying to offer kind of a premium service and you've got some guy that's never really done used a rotary before and he's kind of getting thrown all over the place trying to hold <laughs> on to this thing because he hasn't figured out his technique yet, then yeah, it's not really a good look. So I find I just kind of stick to doing all that stuff and yeah, here and there I, I will get help, but I find if I if I do go down the, the track of getting my own workshop, I probably would put someone on and then I can train them. But trying to train someone who doesn't have the background in fiberglass and a gel coat, when they're trying to troubleshoot out on a boat on the water and stuff, it's just it's just too hard to be able to train them properly. Mm. So yeah, I'm happy to get people on to kind of do this, like cleaning all the vinyl and doing those treatments and all that sort of stuff. But with all the like the correction side of thing, I just yeah, being mobile, I just stick to doing it myself. Yep. Have yeah. you got like a little um like a little van or what do you what do you use up there? Yeah, I've got a, a little Volkswagen Caddy. Oh, yeah. And I reckon it's awesome. I love it. It's awesome to drive around in. It looks looks sleek. So I find with mobile detailing, like well detailing in general, it's it's all about the image. So people people want their stuff to look good. And so you need to kind of look good as well. And I find that's a big, big thing, especially like if you're first getting into it, have that in the back of your mind. You you want to look clean and good. Mm. And that's a big part of it. I get a lot of people come up and then they'll look at my van when I'm grabbing stuff out and they'll be like, oh, wow, what a great little setup. That looks awesome. And that's kind of what you want. So that's kind of the reason I went with the Caddy. It looks great. The I was thinking about getting a, a high ace. And when I first actually started out, I borrowed one of my mate's high aces because he just got a new new car for work. And I hit him up and I was like, hey, mate, can I borrow your van for a month or two just while I'm getting set up? And this thing, he just beat the crap out of it. It looked pretty ordinary. <laughs> and I rocked up at my mechanic's um, workshop one day with in that van and asked him, I was like, I almost thought about buying it. I was like, hey, do you think this would be a good van to buy for my detailing business. And they said straight up, they're like, look, mate, we get guys come in to do detailing in our workshops sometimes. He's like, if you rocked up in this, I'd tell you to piss off. <laughs> He's like, I would <laughs> I would not let you touch a car in my workshop. And that's kind of what clicked in my head. I need to be, you need to be presentable. It needs to, needs to look nice. So mm. I pretty much went out two days later. I had my little caddy van <laughs> set that up and, yeah, it's awesome. Never look back. It's super cheap to run. It fits everything in there really well. And yeah, it just you know, it's presents a good image. Yeah. No, nice. Yeah. No, a few people around the Australia have them as their little cars. So, and some of them look pretty cool when they deck them all out and set them up. So, that, yeah, I just, I just, I think like just have something that looks nice. I ended up just getting a set of wheels for it. And I didn't go overboard and put it like these flashy kind of. 40 rims and I just got 
the they're actually um Volkswagen Tiguan wheels. And oh, they yeah. just they just look better than the Steelys that come on the on the vans. And just that little thing, like that's pretty much all I've done to it. It just makes it look that little bit better. It doesn't look too flashy or kind of like a hot street car enough, and, but <laughs> just keeps it looking sleek and and presentable. Yeah. Yeah, presentation's a big thing. Yeah. Um yeah. So oh yeah, we'll start on our uh, six stage questions about after that. Um can you remember what your first ever detailing job was? A boat or a car? Yeah, well, my my first job actually, well, it's kind of two first jobs. My first job that it was a mate that I, I had approached me, and it was actually a canoe. <laughs> so I started small and humble, <laughs> but he had a mate reverse into it at his workplace, and it broke the front end on it and had a big hole in it. So I just I did the fiberglass repair on that, and then while I was there, I just cut and polished the whole thing and made this canoe look, <laughs> look awesome. <laughs> oh, but yeah. then my first actual commercial job that was from someone that I didn't know, it was a Bayliner twenty nine and a half foot. So it was kind of like a cabin cruiser sort of thing. Yeah. And I did that, and that was a big wake up call. <laughs> Holy shit. This is what's actually involved. And it was a big difference to kind of what I'd done in the five glassing shop. And yeah, I was just like, wow, I need to really think about my prices and, <laughs> and yeah. how I'm going to do it and set, set actual proper structure into my work, which, yeah, it was a good, good learning curve. Did you think at the time that maybe I'll go back to five glass and I'll try something else? No, nah, I. I know I'm, I love hard work and I love a challenge. So, yeah, it was it was really challenging, and I just thought, wow, this is <laughs> this is a lot harder than I thought, but loved it at the same time. And it just, yeah, so I, I just never looked back. Yeah, yeah, no, it was good. <laughs> no, that's good. Uh, favorite polisher. So, how many do you have? One polisher, like rotary, or how many do you use on a boat? Uh, I've got, I've got my main rotary. So I mainly just use my bigger rotary, but I've also got a smaller rotary, just for like yeah, three-inch pads and a few one-inch pads and stuff. Get it in the tightest places, and then I've also got like the ultra little mini rotary that you can connect to your rotary and just kind of get into tiny little gaps. Yep. But generally, I don't use that too much. Sometimes a little bit around kind of your dashboards and stuff, but. Yeah, generally I can do probably ninety percent of my work with with my bigger rotary, and then just little bits with the smaller stuff. Yep. Yeah. yeah. What what's um what brand or make have you got of a rotary? Uh, at the moment, I'm, I'm using Shine Mate, so oh, yeah? I find them pretty good. I started off with what was my first? I was just like a cheap. I think the brand was Renegade was my first rotary I ever bought. And it was just loud and clunky and rough to use. Use it for maybe a couple of weeks and thought, no, nah, I can't use this. And I went and bought myself a Makita rotary. And that was that's kind of an industry standard in the manufacturing industrial side of things. Mm. But use that when you're like, on the bus eight hours a day, a couple of days straight, it your arms are just gonna drop off. Mm. <laughs> it's, heavy. it's heavy and it's big. So I looked into different stuff and then I, I grabbed a shine mate rotary and it's 
half the weight, a lot smaller, easier to use, and quite smooth. And the guys that wax it are just awesome to deal with with the shine make stuff. If you have a problem, they're easy to talk to. And the shine make rotaries, I've never really had problems. I've caught the power lead a couple of times and ripped that clean in half, <laughs> which can scare the crap out of you when you've got live power throwing sparks and bouncing around the boat. Yeah. And you'll quickly learn to really watch where that lead is. But apart from that, I've never really had any problems except for changing the brushes. Yep. And I thought I had a problem with one of the switches in my rotary once, but and I rang the guys that tried, mate. They were awesome about it. They ended up actually just sending me a free switch and I just paid for the postage. So oh, wow. they're awesome to deal with and I've just kind of stuck with them for that reason. Yep. And it didn't it didn't even end up being a switch as I damaged the bloody towel even that's why the towel was coming out. <laughs> but yeah, they're just good to deal with. So I've kind of stuck with them and they seem reliable. You probably um I'm not sure if you've seen much of it, but the um battery powered machines coming out these days probably something be handy for a boat. No cords. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, I've thought about that, but then again, the, it also comes down to the weight. So you're using it for a kind of long amounts, like long times through the day. Yep. And it's just, it just wears me out. So I, and I, I'm not sure. I haven't really used the battery powered one, so I can't say how much power they have. But with gel coat, like you're just even the pressures that you're using with the rotary is a lot harder, a lot more full on than what you use on paint. So yeah, I don't know until I, well, I can't really comment until I try them, but I'm, can't see them having the power that the powered ones would have. Yep. And that's, yeah, that's just a big thing for gel coat. Probably might, charging yeah. might be a drama sometimes too, if you're mobile, having Yeah, them yeah if you run out of batteries and stuff, you can't really just have them all on charge on, on your shelf in your, mm. in your workshop. Yep. So, yeah, no, yeah I know. I'm just kind of stuck with what I use and it works for me, so just, that's kind of what I aim for. No, I've just uh, done an order from Waxit, so I think that was here today. So um, what else have we got? Oh, I've got a new question. Um, yours could be, yeah, what's your dream car or, or boat <laughs> in your well, terms? My my dream car is, well, there's, there's a lot of luxury, like supercars and stuff. I, I actually love my racing. I, get, I, I really love my racing. And to me, 90s to early 2000 model Japanese sports cars are just where it's at for me. Yep. I own two Subarus. I've got a WRX wagon as my street car, and I've got a 04 STI that I've pretty much completely stripped out and built up as a track car that I'm actually aiming to race in the Victoria Sports Sedans. Oh, yeah. Yep. And. To me, I've like I I love it, and it's just the, the rawness of driving kind of those early ninety the nineties early two thousand Japanese sports cars. It's just where it's at for me. I, I went over to Germany a couple of years ago, and I actually went to the Hyder uh, Porsche, drove down the Autobahn, went to Nurburg, jumped in the car with a pro driver in a seven twenty S, did a lap around there, and it was awesome, but. Being in supercars, they're so refined and smooth. They just don't have that raw feeling that you can get from those mm. Japanese sports cars. So that's where, where it's at for me. And today, your dream car, it's 
it's probably my WRX and my SCI, like that's, and I've already got them. So yeah, I just love them. I love how raw they are, and yeah, they do it for me. And I also love my motorbikes. I I kind of have always been into my bikes, and for me, it's probably my. I've got a KTM five three five that I've set up as a motard with road wheels, oh, yeah. and to me, that's that's also my dream bike. I seen one one day when I was in the back of my mum's car when I was a kid and he came down the road and just popped a wheelie all the way past us and I was like, <laughs> I've got to get one of them one day. <laughs> so I got one and yeah, it's like, I couldn't be happy with it. It's just so fun. Especially in, my... um, up there. Up in Cairns, it'd be awesome up there. Yeah, and even just down in Melbourne, just mm. riding that around in the road, traffic's a nightmare. You can get on a bike and you can get anywhere at a quarter of the time, which is awesome. No, but no, yeah, no. and then for my my dream dream boat would probably be a carbo. It's an American kind of game boat, yeah. and just the, the just beautiful boats. They look awesome. You can kind of go anywhere in them, whatever weather. You send them out, doing some pretty crazy stuff, and they're going to handle. But I think I'm going to have to detail a few boats to be able to afford one of them. <laughs> yeah, boats are expensive, so. Uh, yeah. extremely expensive. Um, yeah. What's your um, favourite detailing tool or product? Um, well, my number one tool would be my rotary, but I'd have to say my favourite product is my George. Oh, the, <laughs> <It's bloody>, the, <laughs> the pneumatic vacuum. Yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah, because you get a lot of kind of compartments on the boats and stuff in the, in the floors. I fill up with water. And when I first started, I'd sit there with a bucket and a microfiber and kind of wring them out and get the water out of the places and didn't really look very professional and it was just so time-consuming and a nightmare to do. So I went and bought myself a George and I kind of joke with people, he's, he's my number one worker. You've only <laughs> got to pay for him once and he'll stick around forever. <laughs> but yeah, it just makes, makes life so much easier trying to suck water out of compartments and stuff. Yeah. So that's probably probably my favourite. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, cool. Do you yeah. do a lot of carpets on the boats? Uh, ski boats and stuff. We'll have carpet and wake boats, but yep. mostly fishing boats. They generally no. just uh, gel, gel coat floors. Yep. Yeah. And another, another product or, or tool that I really love is just Magic Eraser. Oh, Magic yes. Eraser is so bloody handy. Yep. <laughs> Even just for washing down like really oxidized gel coat. You wash it down and kind of, and it will clean it right back and just give you a good kind of idea of the condition of the gel coat and just removing marks, vinyl, cleaning up the vinyl and stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, it's a good little product. Whoever invented Magic Eraser, <laughs> I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. I use the little tiny ones. Like people get it with um, polish on plastics and stuff. So if someone's had a crack at a car before and put polish all over the the textured plastic and stuff, they just leave it there and, yeah, that gets yeah. all that off. So Yeah, yeah, it's awesome stuff. Yeah. Um, a tip for any detailer starting out, so any maybe any <coughs> marine detailers, anyone looking to start out, what would, what would be your tip for them? Um, probably just learn your products. Learn, like build your knowledge base up, learn your products and then, so when you talk to customers, you can actually give them uh, true, real answers to things. Like a lot of people just wing it and they, they might think they know what they're saying, but 
actually do your proper studies, learn learn it inside out. Maybe even buy some Jellico and some Catalyst and just play around with it and see how it works, how it reacts. And also awesome thing to do is and just you can just go for it. You can practice with it. You can try new products. You can get your get your rotary out and just hack it. <laughs> Bloody run over the rubbers, burn them, hold your rotary on the gel coat, see how it will burn, like do all sorts of things like just make mistakes on your own little bloody mm. boat that you've bought for next to nothing and just and it's just the best way to learn. Instead of making a mistake on a customer's boat, you can just go home and yeah, do different things. Just try to try to make mistakes, just so you can look at it, understand, run over the bloody gunner rubbers with your with your wool pad and hold it down really hard and stop for a second on it. And just see how quickly it will burn into the rubber. And then you can kind of just make all your own mistakes on your own boat and even do things like cut the floor out and glass a new floor into it. It'll teach you the fundamentals of fiberglass and gel coat. And then once you go and learn all those things, you can actually talk to a customer. You can see defects and stuff in the boat that, and then you can actually give them a proper answer. And so you've done it yourself then, so you can actually give a real answer. Yep. So that's probably the best thing that I can say is get an old boat and just damage it. <laughs> With... um. But, just on that, with the the burn, is it hard to burn gel coat? Like with the obviously not with a wool pad. If you sit there long enough, will it burn? Yeah, yeah. Well, especially like you're using kind of uh, like eight inch wool pads and stuff. So if you hold them up on their side and get it kind of right on on a corner part of like of the boat and hold it there for a second, you will burn it. But it is. It is, well, it's probably a lot harder to burn than the car pack would have But it's more so like the rubbers and stuff. You, like you run along trying to cut in next to the, next to your gunnel rubber and you stop for a second or push too hard on that rubber, you're going to put a big burn mark in it. And mm. yeah, and it's, that's a pretty hard thing to fix. <laughs> so, but also just playing around with your gel coat because Unlike paint, there's there's quite a few problems that can happen in gel coat. And unless you know what they are, then you're not going to know how to go about dealing with that. So, like, for example, there's, like, porosity. Porosity is just small air bubbles in your, in your gel coat, and that's generally from spraying with too much pressure. So mm. too much air pressure, and then when they spray it, there'll be small air bubbles all through it. And you'll see kind of little... <coughs> kind of pinholes in the surface and you think, oh, I can wet sand them out. If you don't know that's porosity, you're going to start wet sanding and you're just going to uncover more and more and more. Yeah, you're going to get bigger. You're yep. not going to be able to, yeah, so do not touch it. Just explain to the customer what it is and explain if you try and wet sand that, you're going to uncover more and more. Then there's also things like like fish eyes, fish eyes mm. in the gel coat because I don't know if you know much about how how they lay up gel coat and, and fiberglass. It's it's generally made in a mold. So in a mold, you'll you'll make the mold for the part and then you'll spray your gel coat into the mold. Once you, once you spray your gel coat, you'll let it cure, but it will still be tacky. 
And then once it's kind of dry but still tacky, you lay your five glass on top of that. And then once that cures, then you can pop the part out of the mould and then you've got your, got your five glass part. So if you have a small like bit of oil or dirt or something on the mould, that's going to cause a fish eye. And then, so something like that, you can you can wet sand out and, and correct it. But coming out of the factories is generally there will be small mold release imperfections and all that sort of stuff in your gel coat. So it's just kind of understand what they are. And like you also get things like craters. A crater is generally from over catalyzing your gel coat, and then that will create craters in it. And that. You can wet sand that out, but then again, there will be more craters underneath. So you've yep. got to be careful and be able to kind of pick a crater out apart from the fish eye and know what they look like. And then I find with your caravans and stuff, a lot of the, a lot of the side panels on a caravan will be prefab fiberglass panels. So they you'll get like a, they call it like a backup pattern. So your backup pattern will be Kind of lines from your from your fiberglass showing through the through the gel coat, and that's generally from really thin gel coat. So, if you see that, customer might ask you, "Can you wet sand that back to get it flush?" You try and wet sand that back, you're going to expose the fiberglass underneath, and then they're going to have to respray the whole panel. So, on your caravans, generally the fronts and the backs are made from a mold, and they pop them out of the mold, and they're really nice. But then the side panels. Generally, pretty ordinary because they're just pre-fab panels that they kind of cut the shape and whack up on the piece. So, and with gel coat too, it's extremely hard to color match. So you can't. It's not like paint where you can kind of just scan it with a camera and color match it. You've got to mix it up. You'll get because gel coat will fade over time. So yep. you get a customer say. Look, can you can you repair this area? And you're like, all right. But the thing is, they don't realize it's going to fade. So you color match it to that color. In a year's time, they're going to ring you up. It's like, mate, this doesn't look the same anymore. What did you do? And it's just like, it, it fades. So generally, you want to try and make it a tone lighter than what the actual rest of the color is and let it fade into it. And then it might look funny at first, it'll look different, but it will over time in the long run, it'll it'll look better. Yeah. And then you'll so a lot of the gel coat repairs that you'll see in a boat, you'll be you'll be cutting an area back, cutting the oxidization out, and you'll be like, shit, this is a different color. And you'll think, oh, maybe it's the oxidization. So but then you'll keep cutting it and cutting it and it won't change. So you've got to be able to recognize that and be able to just talk to your client and tell them, look, this is a repaired area. It's, it's a different color gel coat. And even when they're spraying gel coat into a mold, if they need to mix up another batch because they didn't make up enough gel coat at the time and they add a different amount of thinners or this cup full that they tipped into the pot is got a different amount of catalyst, that can also change the color. Yeah, wow. So even in a new piece, you can have, if they haven't mixed up a big enough batch to do the whole lot and they quickly mix up some and add some thinners and stuff and yeah you can get a whole different color which you got to kind of be able to identify that otherwise you're just going to try and sit there and cut and cut and cut and you're not going to be able to fix it wow. so it's just understanding those things 
is gonna help you immensely in boat detailing. And it'll also help you even just talking to your customers and actually getting customers. If you can talk to them and point out these things, they're like, oh, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. And it just gives them trust because like, some of these boats are worth 300,000 up to like $3 million for a boat. Mm. If they don't feel that they can trust you, they're not going to want to work with you. So mm. if you can just speak to them and tell them these things, they're just like, all right, this guy actually does and know what he's talking about. And I've, I'll get people that ring around and then they'll ring me back and be like, mate, you're the only person that's been able to actually talk to me properly and tell me these things. And then they're like, I want to work with you. Yep. And it's going to give you a huge advantage in the industry. And I think getting into detailing, that was probably one big side that really gave me an advantage starting up was just my understanding of that sort of stuff. Mm. Yeah, so, we've, yeah, we've buy, heard that. Buy a cheap boat and just play with it. Yeah. That's awesome. You, you, yeah. yeah, you're a wealth of knowledge there. So, um, yeah, that we, we hear that a lot, like how you talk to your customers and it all can uh, win your jobs. I know um, I think Saad mentioned a fair bit how you when you talk to them and come across, then um, it usually will get you the job. So rather than just sit there yeah, and bull- also, bullshit them. And- a big big thing is trust. And like, yep. as you said, boat, boats aren't cheap. So yeah. they don't want to just let some guy they feel iffy about going on their bloody boat and just wrecking things. So if you can yeah. build that trust from before you've even just from speaking to them on the phone before you've even seen the boat, then yeah, it's, it's you've already got your foot in the door with them. Hmm. Yeah. One you touched on there before was caravans. I haven't had much to do with caravans. I've been asked to to coat them and stuff, but I've never polished any. So yeah, definitely steer away from wet sanding. But their gel coat, um, you can obviously polish them to a point. Is that right? Yeah. They're, they're yeah. Well, it's, it's the same same thing as boats generally. So. It's all it's all gel coat at the end of the day, so it's the same sort of process, the same same kind of products that you're using. And one thing I will mention is like with with the pads as well that I'm using, I'm, I'm using a twisted wool wool pad for my cut, and then a forty sixty wool acrylic yellow pad for my for my polish. And the acrylic just is a little bit slipperier and gives you your polish effect on it. And doing that. Um, yeah, like you don't really use foam. I've had problems with foam pads causing like you'll do a final final pass with a foam pad, it'll, it'll create a haze. So you just spend days cutting and polishing with your wall pads and then you go over with foam and it, it will actually cause a haze and then you're just like, oh, shit, what do you understand? <laughs> so understand your wall pads. And I found I started off using the Frecla traditional twisted wall pads and since then, I've moved over into the Lake Country steamed wool pads. And the steamed wool pads, when they steam it, it makes makes the wool bloom and it makes it a bit kind of fluffier and softer. And I find with the traditional wool pads, because they're not steamed, they have to put more wool twists into your pad and then that will make it more aggressive. And also when you first grab out a new wool pad out of the packet, it's going to like you'll, a lot of wool will come off. So you got to, I just run a kind of a hairbrush over them. Yep. And then you'll end up with bloody wool all over you, everywhere, all through their bloody garden, all through their boat, where the, the steamed wool pads, they have a lot less blow off, initial blow off, and they just seem to last longer and give give a better, better end result as well. Hmm. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I don't really, don't really use much uh, foam pads. And I've, I've also used, if I do do a third pass on a boat, sometimes I will use a, the foamed wool, the purple foamed wool pads. Yep. And, yeah, they can be good. They, can, they will still give a slight cut, but they can give amazing gloss and a great finish as well. And I'll, I generally only use them if I've still got swell marks. So I've still got swell marks after doing my initial, well, your initial cut's going to create swell marks. Yeah. And generally your polish will pull them out. And then if there is some, I'll use yeah, your, your foam's wall in the purple on a, on a, with a flexible backing plate. And then that will generally remove any any swells that you've got left. Oh, wow. So yeah, the pads, pads are a bit different, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Um, no microfiber, you probably don't. Use any of that? No, no, I've, I've, no, I've, I've found there's kind of not really a need for yeah. using microfiber with what I use, and I just create create too much heat for what I'm doing. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. No, nice. Um, what are we? Uh, interests outside of detail. Well, I love my fishing. Fishing? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's one of the big things that brought me up here. Love my fishing, so. It's just part of loving boats as well. I'm always out in the water. Yep. Pretty amazing when you can get out in the water. It's always something that will, you'll see that will blow your mind. Mm. And it's, it's pretty special getting out in the water, especially up here on the reef and stuff. It's, it's amazing. So I love my fishing. It's a good time to relax and just forget about things and unwind from all the detailing. What's your um, go-to fish up there? What do you try and, try and catch? Um, well, I love the challenge catching bad money yep they're just yeah you've really got to have them figured out but also i do like my jigging out in the deep water you know, kind of nannies and all that sort of stuff you deeper like demersive sort of fish and then out in the reef flats chasing gts is if you want to get your arms pulled off <laughs> go do it <laughs> it's next level fun ah oh, cool yeah and, and then just my racing mm. i love my racing i've uh always been into it pretty much race anything I can just got wheels. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I love my dirt bike ride, my racing. I the thing that I've always been into riding bikes, but I got hit by a couple of cars riding my bike around on the road. Ooh. And I actually broke my back in in one of my accidents. That that really took me out of me. It took me a while to get back on my feet. And then with that, they say with age comes the cage. <laughs> so I got into car racing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, got my Subaru and started. Well, I got my Subaru, like my street car, started tracking that a fair bit. Then I just kept breaking it and I could never drive along the road. Mm. So I bought another one, completely stripped it out, got super lightweight and put all the good parts into it and just set it up as track car only. And yeah, I absolutely love it. Where do you mainly race at? Uh, up here, there's, there's not really much. There's no tracks up here. So I've left my race car down in Melbourne. Yep. And down there, there's just there's quite a few tracks. And they're all kind of awesome tracks, international level tracks, all within kind of two hours drive from Melbourne. Mm. So it's kind of just a no-brainer to leave my car down there. Plus also the mechanics and stuff down there are awesome. There's a lot of kind of really good mechanics that help me with my engine building and all that sort of stuff and my tuning side of things. Where up here, there's, there is a few mechanics, but not 
so much in the kind of specialised license side of things. Yeah, no. So, yeah, just it's only a flight away, really. Mm. And, yeah, just keep it down there. And it's too hot to run race cars up here anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, Melbourne's the place for that. I can imagine. So. <laughs> no, nice. So um, where yeah. can anyone um, reach out to you, Nath? How do they get in contact with you if they want to find out uh, more? Best best place would be through Facebook. Jump on, jump on Facebook and just look up Coastal Cameroon Detailing. Um, hit me up there. I'm always happy to kind of talk to anyone, anyone that needs kind of help with understanding different issues and stuff. Yeah, just hit me up. I'll, I'll run through it with you. It's a bit like being mobile. I think a couple of the other guys have mentioned that. But if you kind of call me, I don't really have the time. It just makes me have to put my gear down and kind of stop work. So mm. I prefer if you just, yeah, just send me a message on Facebook. And I I haven't been posting so much on there lately because especially being in Cairns, being a small, like kind of smaller town, word of mouth spreads really good. So if you do good work, word of mouth will spread really quickly. And I've had to kind of, I haven't really needed to advertise. So I find if I do advertise on Facebook, I'm having to deal with like 50 different people mm. in a day, just kind of wanting to get quotes and doing all that sort of stuff. And I'm, that busy at the moment. I'm trying to kind of finish up for the year so I can actually go have a bit of a holiday. Yep. So I've kind of haven't been posting a whole lot, but I've kind of been just building up my bank. I do like to post just so people can see kind of what work I'm doing, the sort of things that I'm doing. But then again, if I post everything, I'm kind of I've generally these days I'll just post more sort of the jobs that I'm kind of aiming at getting. Yeah. Otherwise. That's kind of how it works, I found. And yeah, it just gets too much if I'm posting all the time. I just, I need to try and actually get some work done as well. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, I just was... hit me up, hit me up in there if you want to chat. Yeah. No, no. He's, and by the sounds of it, you can tell he's, he's very knowledgeable around gel coat and all, and marine side of things. So yeah, it's, it's an interesting um, side of detailing, which was, which was cool to hear about, I think. So hopefully everyone appreciates it because, um, yeah, I've, I've opened my eyes a little bit as well. So. Yeah, and I've just, I've just found a lot of the car detailers, they, they don't realise just how hard, how physical boat detail actually is mm. and what's involved. So they'll go like, even just your, your hand pressures and stuff that you use in your rotary and all that stuff is completely different to cars. So you try and, yeah, you think like, oh, yeah, I can fill out kind of a bit more bit more space and make a bit more money with doing a few boats here and there you really want to get your products right and understand it otherwise you're going to be spending so much longer it's going to take you like two weeks just to finish a boat it should have taken you two or three days yeah and you're not going to get the results that you're after so and then this that just equals customers that aren't too happy and it's just doesn't work for everyone so yeah understand what you're doing if you want if you want to get in the boats go for it there's like plenty of boats for everyone <laughs> Is there um? Just, what's your average sort of time length on a boat? Uh, depends. The smaller boats, I'll I'll try and like I'd say like the kind of nineteen and twenty one foot boats. They're my bread and butter, so I, I can kind of rip them out and get them done in two to three days max. Where when you're working on kind of a fifty foot uh, game fishing boat, that can take me kind of up to like a week and a half so sometimes even closer to two weeks 
depending on the condition and what's involved, really. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, yeah, nice. that's kind of my time frame on things. Puts it puts everything in perspective. If anyone wanting to have a crack, that's obviously the time frame they they'd be looking at. So, for a job, for a decent job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and just and keep that in mind and fight accordingly. Because mm. especially when you first get into it, it's going to take you a, a long time. And it's like it's a lot different cars. It's like a car you can a lot of guys can do them pretty quick, but it's just so much surface area on a boat. And mm. trying to cut oxidization out of a boat is it's, it's pretty. Oxidization goes pretty deep, man. It just takes a lot more effort. And you're out in the sun, you're working your ass off, you're sweating everywhere. So it's yeah, it's hard work. <laughs> you've got to got to really love hard work. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So and you definitely do. So all right, we'll um wrap it up. But um thanks Nathan for your time and yeah, it's been yeah, an cheers. awesome insight to, to the marine side and I um, hope everyone enjoys it. So but yeah, yeah um, come on, share what I, what I know, and let people kind of know the different swing gut, like car detailing and boats. No, it's I think it's, and, yeah. it is. No, yeah. you explained it really well. So, no, you've done well. So, thanks for that, and um, all the best. And yeah, for anyone else wanting to come on, I think um, most of my bookings are nearly done for the year, and um, we'll probably have a break over Christmas. But I'll let you know about that once we get a bit closer. But I've got a few good ones coming up in the next couple of weeks. So um, one big episode coming up and um, I'm shooting off to Sydney to do some recording as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully all that pans out well. So um, keep an eye out and an ear out and we'll um, keep pumping these out weekly to, towards the end of the year. So and we'll look forward to, to the rest of the next year as well. So, all right. Thanks, Nath. Thanks, mate. That was great. Nah, awesome. And um, we'll wrap it up and we'll talk soon and, Thanks, everyone. Cheers. That was another episode of the Detailing Down Under podcast. Subscribe now for everything auto detailing in Australia.